Hey, Southridge Church, thanks for joining today. Welcome to Southridge Online. And whether you are in Canada or around this world, we appreciate you and we are glad that you have joined us today. But I would encourage you to do more than just listen today. Visit our website at southridgefellowship.ca. Find out more about us if you're new or join us in community by joining one of our community groups and engage with us in the mission that God has given us to fulfill by either giving financially or serving or just even following Jesus daily. We are so glad that you're a part of us and we encourage you to step into something that God has for you. So find out more at southridgefellowship.ca and enjoy the message. Back in 2011, I had an opportunity to lead a team on a short-term missions project to Belize, Central America. And this was unlike any team I'd ever led before because it was a building team. And if you know me, uh, I don't actually build anything. (laughs) I don't know how to build. I don't know anything about building. In fact, I don't even think I own any power tools except my son just recently gave me some of his old ones. So uh, technically I do, but for most of my life, I've never even worked power tools. Uh, But we did this uh, team in Belize and we did what we called an extreme home makeover. Now, this home makeover was a pretty impressive thing. We did it just like the TV show. And I don't know if you remember Ty Pennington, and he did this thing called Extreme Home Makeover, where they would go in, meet a family, find out what's wrong with the house, bulldoze the house down, and start from scratch and build them something that was absolutely amazing, and then bring the family back, hide them behind a bus, and then when they were ready, they yelled, move that bus, the bus moved away, and it revealed this incredible home that they got to live in. And it was, it's always a heartwarming story, lots of tears, lots of excitement. Well, we did exactly that in Belize. I gathered a team around of people that, were, that knew exactly what they were doing with building and specific things. I had an electrician, I had a plumber, and then I had this really important person. And he was what I considered the master builder. His name was Ian. And Ian uh, had been building all of his life. Uh, He knew all about what was involved in it. Uh, My son, Zach, actually worked with him for a little bit. And uh, so he was our foreman. I called him my master builder because he knew everything. And he was crazy guy. He loved to build. And so uh, as we got down there, there was some very key people that had the specific knowledge. And then there was the rest of us laborers. We were the grunt workers, the ones who had to do whatever we were told to do. And uh, we got to meet this family. They were a family of nine. And uh, this family was, was a pretty powerful family. They were, they were so beautiful uh, and so wonderful. They loved the Lord. They were in the church in Roaring Creek. And uh, we had the opportunity of blessing them. Now, they were lived in a house. I believe it was like a 20 by 30 home. And it housed all nine of them. 
a kitchen, and, and then they slept wherever they could. It, it was something else. And when it came time to demo the house, we, we moved the family to a, a campground away from where we were so they couldn't see what was going on. Uh, and then we went to demo the house and soon realized there was not much holding this house up to begin with, but four stakes in the ground in the corners. And once we were able to cut those down, we were able to push the whole thing down in one push. Uh, and then we started building this four-bedroom beautiful home for them. And uh, it wasn't easy. It was really hard. It was hard because uh, a lot of us had no idea what we were doing, including me. Um, and so we were following instructions and we weren't sure if what we were doing was right. Uh, then we were doing it in Belizean weather, which was 107 degrees in this weather. And, and people were dropping off like flies because they were getting heat stroke. And so we were working really hard in, in uh, building this house. And we had eight days. That's all we had. Eight days to build a four-bedroom house and build furniture inside it. All the bunk beds were handmade. Uh, we bought a fridge, a stove, uh, all of that stuff. And we did it. We did it in eight days. But it had nothing to do with me and people like me. It had everything to do with those that were skilled and knew what they were doing. The master builder, Ian, worked so hard and he knew exactly what to do. And that's why we were successful in what we did. Well, we're going to carry on in our series in the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalm 127. And it's a psalm that I picked because it, it really does help us. On this Father's Day, if you're watching uh, uh, the day that this is for is the Sunday, uh, June 20th, where it's Father's Day. And it's a celebration of fathers and what they do and who they are to us. Uh, and this is actually a very fitting psalm for us. And so uh, in Psalm 127, we read a psalm that's actually written not by David, but by Solomon, his son. And you can actually tell by the way it's written because it's very uniquely uh, written. It's, it almost looks like it, it's somebody pulled it out of the book of Proverbs and put it into the book of Psalms because each instruction that's there uh, is actually a, a wise statement, a wise structure of something that, a wisdom statement that we are to live by and to remember. And uh, so as we come to this, I, I want us to think about what are some things that are, what are some wise things that come out of this that we could actually be applying to our lives today in this day and age in 2021. So let's actually look at Psalm 127. We're going to read the first two verses first, and then we'll go back to the rest of it. In Psalm 127, it says in verse one, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. You see, in the very beginning, it, as you can see, it sounds like wisdom literature, doesn't it? Because there's some wisdom that's coming out of that to remind us of some things that we need to remember, to, to put into practice, to think about and to reflect on. And the first thing that we're told is that, is that we begin in this idea of a building analogy. And out of this, I think there's a really key point here, which is that we need uh, dependence on God for success. I think the first thing that we're reminded is that we need dependence upon God for success. And as he comes into this building analogy, and I know many of you have heard this verse before. In fact, I bet you many of you actually have this up on your wall at home somewhere. Uh, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. It reminded me of that house build in Belize. It reminded me of the fact that there were some key people that were really important in that build. 
there was an electrician, there was a plumber, uh, there were us as, as laborers, but, but really, we, we could have really made a mess of it if we didn't have somebody that knew the big picture, that knew how all of this was going to happen, how it was all going to unfold, how what needed to happen first, what needed to happen second, because it needed to be finely orchestrated, especially if we were to do it in eight days. Now, that was an exhausting work, but the fact is, is that it, it was really that master builder, Ian, that helped us to get through that, that helped us to realize that, you know what? We have got to work and listen to him, and so we did. We all listened to him, and he reminded us every day, hey, we've got a lot to do today. Just listen to me. I'll tell you what you need to do, and we went ahead and did it, and we had a lot of fun, but it was exhausting. But here, when we talk about um, unless the Lord builds the house, it's very similar. Now, some of you may have a, a great ability to know how to build a house. I know my son has started his own business, uh, sorry, his own business, uh, Zach of All Trades, and he is learning all of the things that happen. Uh, and what he doesn't know, he looks on YouTube or he talks to other people and he pulls in expert opinions and advice. But he's learning those things and he's getting really good at it and really confident at some of the things that he's doing. Well, we need to be the same way in our lives. When it comes to building our house, I don't know if it's really referring specifically to the structure as much as it's referring to what goes on inside that building, the home. The house as a home is really what I believe it's talking about. That unless the Lord builds the home, the builders labor in vain. Because you know what? There's a lot that's going on in a home. There's a lot of things that are taking place. There's a marriage that's going on in a home. There's raising children that's going on in a home. There's all of the things that have to sustain the home that, that need to be taken care of. There's a lot going on and we need help. There's maybe aspects of it that we do quite well, actually. There's things that we know how to do and so we go do it. Now, in our home, if there's something that needed to get built, don't ask dad, not a chance. We, in fact, would giggle about it and then we'd go and ask Zach because he would probably do it for us. Or even Elijah has an idea of how to fix things and, and work through things. I don't have any idea on that as well either. But you know what? At least I've got a part to play in that. I vacuum well and I probably clean the house well and I can help around in the outside part. But we all have a part to play. Then there's this second analogy that takes place in this story, in this um, uh, psalm and it's talking here about guarding a city that unless the Lord watches over the city the guards stand watch in vain you see it's the same thing that guard job was to guard the city and there were so many entry points uh, that could come in over the wall through the gate there were so many things that needed to to be guarded that at times it was impossible for this one guard to be able to watch all of it the guards needed help. They had someone that was actually giving direction. You go here, you do this, you do that. And it's true in our lives there as well. That again, once again, we need a master guard that will be able to come into the picture and do the job for us and give us wisdom in that. And as we even come into that, I was looking up the idea of Psalm 127 and it, it pointed me into the city of Edinburgh in the capital of Scotland. And I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, for those of you that are from Scotland, you'll know this, but their coat of arms actually has this verse uh, as part of their coat of arms. It's their motto. And as we read it, it says, Nisi Dominus Frusta, which means without the Lord, all is in vain. Isn't that interesting? That a whole city actually believes that and, and holds to that. 
that Psalm 127 comes right in there because they realize that no matter what we need, no matter what's going on, we need the Lord or everything is in vain. Everything is uh, useless. Everything is without all the effort that we put into it. And so there we see not only the building or the, or the building of a home, but also the protection of a city as we come into this passage. Uh, taking our God into the everyday life is such an important part of this. Because it's not just about building, and it's not just about guarding, it's about taking God into our everyday. We need to see our dependence upon God as a beautiful thing, where we see our lives as something that is joining God in his plan that we realize that it's not simply that we must try harder, because as you look at the passage, you realize it says for those that get up early and those that stay up late. It doesn't matter how much harder you work, because that's not the part that's really important. It's really the fact that uh, as you take the Lord in it, you're not supposed to work harder in that. You're supposed to trust God deeper in that. You're supposed to rely on him in a greater way in that. Not that we stay up all night and then get up early in the morning to do that. So it's not simply that we must try harder, be more skillful, wake up uh, earlier, stay up later. It's simply telling us this, that we are to include God in our every day. And that when we do that, he will meet our needs, right? When we include God in our every day, he will meet our needs. And for he is the one that grants sleep and grants us success. And that's the part that we need to remember. We can toil around all we want, but he uses the term van, vain, that is useless. It's useless for that. And so we need to correctly see that God is our provider. God is our sustainer and our protector. He's our everything. And as such, we need to trust in him in the midst of that. The psalmist is also helping us understand that the very foundation of our lives needs to be revolving around our God. Every part of it, for he is our master of everything. You know the verse in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, don't you? Where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then it says, what? Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's exactly what this is saying here, is that we may have some idea of how to do this, but the reality is we know who has all of the wisdom and knowledge of how to do this. So why not tap into that? God is our provider, our sustainer, and he will give us the wisdom we need to answer that call of how we're going to build our house. The second thing, not only do we need dependence on God for success, I think secondly, we need dependence on God for a legacy. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I want my life to count for something beyond myself. That when I beam up, uh, I'm gonna, my legacy will live on. I want, I want to make an impact in this world in such a way that my legacy lives on. And I think that comes in the second part of this passage. In verses 3 on, it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they can um, contend with their opponents in court. You see, I think one of the greatest ways that I can live out my legacy is through my kids, through being a dad. And you know, on this Father's Day, I think that's such an important message that we need to hear. 
that we all have that opportunity to, to live that out and to uh, make sure that's a priority for us because we can do that and, and, and see that have huge success. Uh, children here, it says, are a heritage from the Lord. Uh, it says also, blessed are is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, I have to admit, when I first got married, I was really apprehensive about having children. Uh, growing up, like I did, uh, my dad left when I was five, my mom and dad divorced, my dad left when I was five, um, and I didn't have that fatherly figure uh, to watch and to see how he did things. And so, when I got married, I remember having conversations with my wife, Julie, at the time, and just said, you know what? The, the, the thing I worry about is not doing a good job because I don't have that example to live out. Uh, whether it be good or bad, I had nothing. I had nothing to work from. I had what my mom did and that was, that was it. And it was a very significant thing for me having children. And uh, one of the things I had when I had my first child, who is Rebecca, and uh, I, I often thought in my head as, as Julie was pregnant with our first child was, I really hope it's a girl. I really hope it's a girl because I don't know what to do with a boy. I have no idea. And, and sure enough, when, when Rebecca was born, I was so excited that she was a girl. I didn't have to learn all those sports. I didn't have to learn how to ride a, a, a skateboard. None of those things. I was, I was feeling a little bit at ease. And uh, Rebecca was a beautiful child that, that really broke us in gently. And uh, she often tells us she was our easy child. And I will confess on this station that she was my easiest child by far. And uh, I appreciate that so much. But one of the things when, when Zach came into the picture was the apprehension of, oh my goodness, now I'm a dad of a son. I don't know what to do. And it was hard. And then as we, as I journeyed through that with him for a few years, I realized, okay, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And then Julie announces to me, you know what? I want another child. And there was nothing in me. <laughs> Nothing that wanted another child. I was really happy with the two. We had two children. If I went out, I had two arms. I could take them for a walk. Uh, there's two parents. We, we, were, we were not outnumbered. All of those things. I had enough money to cover everything. It was, it was good. And then Julie kept saying, I want another child. I want another baby. I'm so, I just don't think I'm done. I don't think I'm finished. And I kept saying, no, 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 for over a year. Well, in that journey, God got a hold of my heart and reminded me of something that Julie and I were communicating with each other when we were first dating, uh, that we would have two and we would adopt one. And in the process of that, I was reminded of that from the Spirit. And as a, as a result, I went back to Julie and said, listen, do you remember when we were dating? This is what we said. And I saw the twinkle in her eye and I saw that this actually was resonating with her. And so we started praying about it and realizing that, you know what, this is a really good next step for us as we reflect on God's next part, uh, step in our journey. And so we began the journey. But one of the things that we soon realized is that my wife likes everything even and didn't want this lone adopted child tagged on to the end. And so uh, again, reached out to me and said, you know what, I think it's really important we have two, we adopt two children because it will be even and they will have friend. they'll be each other's buddy and it will be good. And uh, realizing that, you know, uh, two children being adopted from the same family into the same family is not a very common thing. And I thought that would be a good thing to do. So I said yes. And we began that journey that took us four years to do. 
Uh, and as God just continued to close doors and then open other doors, we found ourselves at a spot where we were able to uh, confirm that we had two children in Liberia, uh, Alina and Elijah, that, that we had proposed and said, yes, that's who we want, and began that journey with them. And as we began that journey of, of adopting them, uh, through that process, we also found out we had become pregnant. And uh, I have to tell you, I was in shock. <laughs> I was in big shock because I didn't know what to do. I had a hard enough time trying to wrap my head around having four children. But then when I thought of having five, I soon started to panic and I realized, you know what, Julie, we need to stop the adoption. I can't do five kids. I just can't. And so as we went into that journey a little bit, um, we were reached out to the adoption agency, tried to stop that, but only found out that a week prior to that, the courts in Liberia had certified the adoption and they were already legally ours. And so I didn't have a choice. They were already ours. And there was no way I was going to turn back from that. So as a result, we started to prepare to have uh, a family of five. And we were going to go from two to five children in a very short span of time. And so I prayed to God and I said, you know what, Lord, I, I have a very difficult time with this and I need you to help me. And God brought into my life a, a gentleman, a chairman of our board at the church at the time, and he had five kids. And he was just sharing with me this verse and shared with me the idea of how important a Christian heritage is. And that he reminded me that both Julie, neither Julie or I came from a Christian home. And so what we were doing was starting uh, a family, a Christian family that would have great heritage. And we're going to start a little bit bigger than we had planned. And that stuck with me and that resonated with me. And, and I pondered that a long time. And then the kids arrive, all of them, all three at one time. Can you imagine sitting there trying to think of names for three children instead of just one? We had to do that. We went from two to five in a matter of six weeks. And when I, uh, my son was born, uh, Julie's mom and I headed to Africa to pick up the other two children, came back. And on August 2nd, we reunited as a family of seven. And uh, I have to say that that first couple of years was really hard really, really challenging, not only for us as parents, but also for the kids. And it was really hard. But one of the things in the most significant moment that stays in my mind in that story and in that journey is this. Uh, about year three, so we were now in our new home. We moved out of our townhouse. We were in our new home in Maple Ridge. And uh, we had bought a big table that would seat eight. Um, and I remember sitting around that table at Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, we were sitting around the table and I was looking around as we prayed and thanked God for our family. Now we were just coming out of some, some really tough couple years and we were starting to feel like we actually uh, were living again and we were actually getting the hang of it. And uh, I just looked around and I, I felt overwhelmed with God's blessing. Overwhelmed by God's blessing. And when it says here, um, when, it, when it talks here in this passage about children are a heritage and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, that blessed, that was me. I felt it for the very first time at that moment where I looked around and I remember, I think it was Zach, I'm not sure, but I, I'm pretty sure it was Zach or, or Rebecca, I'm not sure, but where one of them said, hey dad, wouldn't it be neat if all five of your children had five children of their own and you and mom would have 25 grandkids? And I can't say that was a really wonderful moment. It was, <laughs> again, overwhelming. Uh, my wife was obviously absolutely thrilled with that idea. 
But uh, in the midst of that, one of the things that came out was just this blessing of this heritage. This heritage that my wife and I were beginning together. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know what your upbringing was like, and some of you have similar circumstances to Julie and I, where you didn't grow up in a Christian home, that you really didn't see your family as a heritage. Some of you, uh, your family was hard. It was a hard journey for you. And, and here, I just want to encourage you that in the midst of our lives, God uses family to build legacy and to build heritage. And this Father's Day is a great reminder that that's one of God's key purposes and visions for us as a Christian, as a Christian um, family is to be that legacy and to be that um, opportunity to carry on that legacy as well. The greatest gift as a dad that I can give my kids is a deep abiding relationship uh, with God and a strong marriage with my wife, Julie. That's what I keep working towards. And I have to say that, you know what, for me, I don't do it perfectly. I don't do that perfectly at all. Nowhere in this passage does it say that you need to raise your children perfectly or without blemish. Does it say that you have to be perfect in all of the ways that you do uh, what you're called to do? Uh, it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. We know raising kids is hard. Having children is hard. It's not easy. But in the midst of that, one of the things I'm reminded about is what parenting is not. Parenting is not successful when your kids have a clean room. Parenting is not successful when they do what, they, what you tell them when you tell them. Parenting is not successful when your kids get straight A's in school. Parenting is not successful when they follow the Lord perfectly uh, and want to go to church every Sunday. Parenting is not successful when everything goes smoothly. Parenting is not successful when all of uh, your kids do exceptionally well in sports and when your life is just a perfect example of what peace and tranquility is all about. Because we all know what that's like. That's just false. It's just not a reality. But parenting is this. Parenting is hearing from your neighbors when they just love your child because they're so respectful and so gracious to them that they want to help. Parenting is successful when your son uh, is striving to make uh, a godly footprint in his new business and honor God in the midst of that. God, uh, family is successful. Parenting is successful when your son can win a, a, a speech contest because he has a passion and God-given gift of, of communicating and maybe one day might be a pastor. Hint, hint. Tyler. Um, maybe parenting, and originally parenting is successful when we go through hard times, when we struggle with who we are in our identity, and yet we still have that relationship and that, that rock-hard foundation of Christ as, a, as our foundation. Knowing that we don't know what's coming, and we don't know where we're going, and we don't know all of the answers, even of our past. But the fact is, is that we have a God who loves us, and we're willing to walk through those hard times. That's successful parenting. That's when, when kids become a blessing. And that's when we want a quiver that's full of them. And so as we come to this passage, and, and Brent mentioned this earlier when he first started this series, is that, that the Psalms are full of blessing. And sometimes when we look at parenting, we don't look at the blessing as much as we look at the work. Yeah, I can come around the house and I can grumble and I can complain about what they're not doing or what they're doing that they shouldn't be doing or not doing what they should be doing. But when I pause and I reflect, 
And when I look at the blessing that's found here in Psalm 127, I'm reminded of the fact that God gives us that blessing. And so sometimes as we look at this, uh, as far as parenting comes, we might need to read or to push the restart button. You know, the, the one thing that uh, is so neat about God is that he lets us push the reset button. Because you know what? Maybe we haven't done a fabulous job. Maybe we can do a better job. But it's not about shame. This Father's Day, it's not about what you're not doing as a father. It's not about what you're doing poorly as a father. It's about what you're doing well. Run with that. It's about also saying, you know what? I think I can do better in this area and I'm going to work towards it. It's about saying, you know what? I have this legacy and I have this heritage and I want to do as much as I possibly can with that. Because when we get to heaven, God's not going to ask you what you did with your accounting career. He's not going to ask you what you did with your construction career. He's not going to ask you what you did in your nursing career. He's going to ask you what you did with what I gave you, the most important gift I've given you, which is your children and your spouse. And that's what we're going to be called account to. And so I just want to encourage us as we come to this passage and just remind us of this. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And that we are blessed when we have a quiver full of them. And the fact is here that unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. This is not ours to do alone. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who wants more than anything for us to bring him into our day to day. And let us be, let's take this verse as an encouragement and leave you with John 15, 5 that just reminds us that it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Well, let's take God with us in our everyday and let's see some great things that we can accomplish and praise him and be blessed as a result. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much that as we've come through this passage uh, of Psalm 127, we are reminded that we need you each and every day in every part of our life. That we need you as we are going about our day-to-day in our, the way we work, in the way we raise our family, in the way we care for our, our marriage, uh, and the way we live our lives for your glory. And God, we pray that you would help us each and every day to remember that we need you. You are our master builder in our lives, and we desperately need you. And I pray, Father, that as we wrestle with the fact that we're not, we're not doing this perfectly, that God, if there's some that are listening that need that grace, that extra measure of grace of knowing that you're there, would you provide that for them? Would you help them to know that, that they can have a reset and that, Lord, you would just take them from where they are now and lead them through that? And remind us each and every day, Father, of our dependence upon you, of our uh, commitment to you, so that, Lord, our lives would be... Um, producing things that last beyond us, the legacy that lasts beyond us as we are fathers, as we're mothers, as we're parents, as we're kids, as we're friends, as we're co-workers, all of those ways. Lord, we ask that you would help us to continue to trust you, to abide in you, and to remain in you so that, Lord, we can live out your purposes in our life. So thank you for these things. Thank you for this reminder. And we pray your blessing, especially upon dads today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, 
Thanks for joining us today. I want to remind you guys, you can find out all the information about our church on our website, southridgefellowship.ca. As we come to a close, we have a couple questions that I want to encourage you to discuss with your friends, your family, whoever's around you, or someone later on in the week, or if you're by yourself, just to reflect on yourself. The first question coming at you today is what stops you from becoming totally dependent on God for your success? The second question, what are some different choices you need to make to better build your home and family? And what a great day, Father's Day, to be able to discuss that question. And finally, what do you specifically need from the Master Builder today to help you? Thanks, guys. I hope you have a great week.